0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML, almost three in every five Canadians are now getting palliative care at the end of their lives. That's about 200,000 people annually. I'm sure we know somebody in our immediate family or a friend or even a neighbor that uh, that may be in that situation. Uh, it's good news. Uh, you know, we're living longer, and and we need to care for the people that that are nearing end of life. But do we know how to do it, and we know where to do it? Uh, it's it's a discussion that that has to happen sooner than later. And our next guest can shed some light on that. Uh, he is Dr. Amit Arya, who is a palliative care doctor uh, working in the GTA uh, and a great source of information for us as we've gone through some of uh, the crises points, I think, when it comes to uh, long-term care and looking after our, our frail and elderly. Uh, doctor, thank you for being back on the program. It's good to have you with us again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bill. I, I know there's so many side roads we can go down here, but pa- where palliative care should be delivered, you know, uh, some people want it at home, uh, there are facilities, uh, there are hospice locations, although I don't think there are enough of those. Uh, but a lot of them end up in hospital with palliative care. Uh, is, is there a common uh, way to
1: treat uh, these situations? Is there a, a protocol, a, a policy that's in place? Yeah, that's a great question, and maybe we can start a little bit by defining for our listeners, Bill, what palliative care actually is, because there's okay. a lot of confusion around, you know, what it actually means and what the care should be that you know someone's loved one or you know someone living with a serious illness should be receiving. So, palliative care is specialized care um, that focuses on improving quality of life, um, and it can be provided along with treatment that is actually treating the underlying illness. So, what that means is you could be seeing your oncologist and getting chemotherapy, even chemotherapy to cure your illness. And alongside that, you could be seeing palliative care so that you wouldn't be suffering uh, if you had pain, nausea, anxiety, depression, whatever the symptoms you have, you could also live comfortably and uh, of course have some relief from the stress of the illness. So the goal is to improve quality of life for both the patient and the family. And palliative care is provided by teams and it ideally should begin earlier when someone is diagnosed, especially with an illness that is not curable and is going to progress so that people can make plans for the future and also you know of course we, we want people to make decisions that are medically appropriate where they understand what is happening with their illness and we also want their wishes to be honored as they approach the end of life so firstly that's what palliative care is uh secondly to answer your question around um you know, some of the problems with palliative care and where people are dying, which you alluded to. um, And that's really what this report focuses on. But, you know, one of the problems is that, you know, the vast majority of people, and, you know, I think we've talked about this bill, people don't want to go into long-term care. They want to remain in their own homes. So we know that that's what seniors want. And the same comes when we talk about end-of-life. So we know that close to 90% of people in Canada, when pulled, actually want to remain in their own homes. But, in fact, Canada, unfortunately, is one of the leaders in and the OECD, when we look at comparator countries, Um, you know, uh, in terms of deaths in hospital. So we we don't have enough community-based palliative care supports, whether it's through home palliative care, hospice, or better palliative care and long-term care. And that's why about 60% of deaths happen in hospital in Canada. And by comparison, that's 30% in the Netherlands and 20% even in the US. So this is a big failure. And honestly, uh, when we look at a health system perspective, it's also really a waste of money. And once again, the opposite of what people actually want. Well, and I, I know because people can interpret
0: that in different ways. Uh, you know, when they say, well, it's a waste of money, and they say, well, come on, you know, it's the end of life, they deserve everything. But uh, I guess the, the, the argument there really is, the other side of the coin, is that same level of service that can be delivered in another facility if, in fact, staffing was correct and if, in fact, the you know, the the... the, the the protocol was was agreed upon but when you have that discussion doctor about you know okay what is going to be best for this individual who should be around the table for that discussion
1: yeah, so that's a great question. And um, maybe I can preface that discussion or like start that discussion by saying um, really, the timing of the discussion bill is really, really important here. So often, the discussion in our Canadian healthcare system is happening maybe in an emergency department or in an acute care hospital setting uh, when someone has really, really progressed uh, in their life limiting illness, such as cancer, uh, COPD, or dementia. And we need to be having these discussions earlier on, once again, so that 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 people can make appropriate plans, uh, you know, for their care and understand what they're getting into with their illness. So that's one problem. Secondly, to answer your question directly in terms of who needs to be around the table, ideally, we need sort of teams of people who are trained in palliative care, of course, specialist palliative care physicians like me and colleagues, uh, other interprofessional colleagues, nurses, nurse practitioners, social workers, and so on. But ideally, if you know, with our population aging, and as you outlined at the very beginning of the program, Bill, we need to ensure that palliative care is is an essential part of medical education, nursing school, and, you know, really, you know, you know, a part of education for any health worker who's delivering clinical care in Canada, because it's just so important and our population is aging. And that's not the case at this time. I can remember a conversation you and I had going back a few years now, Doctor, I think it was just near the advent of
0: of the pandemic and the impact it was having on long-term care facilities. And, and you told us at the time that, that you know, to develop policies and, and, you know, to correct what may be the shortcomings, you need data. There has to be data. And, and when it comes to palliative care, I was shocked when I was reading this report yesterday uh, that uh, only four jurisdictions in this country right now are actually uh, supplying data, Ontario, Alberta, B.C., and Yukon. So we're, we're getting an incomplete picture here. Why isn't everybody on board for this?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really hard to um, sort of explain why we don't have proper data. And you're very right, Bill. I mean, data is actually, I mean, if we're not measuring something, it's very hard to come up with a complete picture about how to fix the problem as well, and how to actually help people. So really, I mean, the data that we have for palliative care, uh, whether it's delivered at home, long term care or hospices is incomplete. And I wanted to even add another setting, which is not mentioned in this report, which is that we also provide palliative care in clinic settings when people are early on in their illness, they're actually coming in, maybe they have some disability, but once again, they can walk into our clinic and talk about, you know, their symptoms and, you know, plan for the future, all of that. So, you know, we provide palliative care in many different settings, but we don't know how many people are getting palliative care in these settings. And as you mentioned, we have incomplete data, like we don't really have a data set, which gives us, um, you know, information for all the provinces and territories in Canada. And most provinces and territories don't even know how many palliative care beds they have available. So this is a huge problem. Once again, the context here is that our population is aging and many people in Canada, unfortunately, are receiving palliative care in the hospital setting. And that's fine. But we know that that's actually counter to what people want. And if we invest in non-hospital care settings with appropriate data, we can actually make the system better. There's another element to this, too, that I'm I'm wondering about here, Uh,
0: and and that's, A, you're right, we need staffing, we need qualified people to be able to deliver the care, Uh, we need facilities or a decision about the facilities, but but what about the training for other family members? I mean, oftentimes, they're still going to be involved in this in one way, shape, or form, even if it's not at home, Uh, because even in a hospital setting, long-term care, you can't have one-to-one care. Uh, There are going to have to be some gaps there filled in. is, is there an opportunity for them to to learn what to do and how how to deliver those services, or at least uh, you know be uh, assisting in in delivering those services?
1: Oh, absolutely. So family caregivers, I'm really glad you asked this question, Bill, and brought this up for discussion. Family caregivers across the healthcare system, especially working in palliative care, working with older adults, provide essential care services. We know, um, you know, in Canada that, um, you know, in fact, the care that they provide is worth billions of dollars to our, you know, healthcare system and economy. And uh, it's very important that once again, and this is part of what palliative care does, Bill, it's very important that we actually introduce these concepts around you know, quality of life, planning for the future, uh, appropriate supports, hopefully in the community or in hospital, right, around what's going on with someone's illness, not just to patients, but also to caregivers. And palliative care also su- you know, supports the beliefs and preferences of family members. It, it allows uh, family caregivers to be part of the team and be integrated members of the team. It allows people to be given comprehensive options in terms of what their wishes are you know currently with their treatment of their illness what's going to happen when they're you know when they you know increase in disability and they have increasing care needs and then what what they want at end of life so absolutely we support family caregivers and there's lots of evidence that actually shows that with integrating palliative care there is actually less burnout for family caregivers and even after the you know someone's loved one dies there's less depression less post-traumatic stress disorder and so on and so forth so very 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 important to support family caregivers.
0: Well, and I know that we tend to shy away. It's just, I guess it's human nature for us to shy away from uncomfortable questions or uncomfortable circumstances. Uh, but as you've been saying for a number of years now, uh, you know, we always talk about quality of life and that's certainly important, but so is quality of death. I mean, uh, you know, it's, all families are going to experience this at some time or another, and we need to have that discussion about how to prepare for it.
1: Yeah. I mean absolutely this is a uh, very very important and I think uh, you know w- w- when we think of our society and we think about being healthy and young I mean for everyone that's just a temporary state and we know that at some point pretty much all of us will be living with some type of disability. You know, obviously, the chance of living with that disability becomes higher as you become older. Of course, many of us have loved ones, parents and grandparents who um, are older. And once again, as you get older, you're more likely to get, you know, multiple illnesses that are often incurable and progressive, you're more likely to get weaker, and everyone will really need this care. So I mean, one day, I really hope that we see a palliative care system in Canada that is universally accessible so that people get that timely support, which is not just focused on relieving physical symptoms like pain or shortness of breath, but also providing psychological and spiritual support, I hope the care is better coordinated and I hope people are provided a range of services in many different care settings. So what this means is that, yes, of course, if someone's choice is that they want to go to the hospital for palliative care and eventually for end-of-life care, that should be available but if they want to stay at home or they want to remain in their long-term care facility because that is like a home for them, you know, we should have enough trained staff to support them in those settings well and the important part i guess is
0: to keep talking about it and keep it up there and the front burner and and you and your staff do such a great job of that doctor thanks for spending some time with us today really appreciate it thank you so much for having me bill take care dr Ahmed Arya, palliative care doctor who's uh, been a strong advocate for this and for governments to pay more attention to that and i'd like to think that that message is starting to resonate with them
1: the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 chml